Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and uh, you probably have heard the words of this song, I can't get no satisfaction. Because I try, and I try, and I try, I can't get no satisfaction. Let's just go a little bit further here. (laughs) Well, I'm driving my car, and the man come on the radio. He's telling me more and more about some useless information supposed to fire my imagination. I can't get no, 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 hey, hey. (laughs) That's what I say. I can't get no satisfaction. And then I'm watching my TV and a man comes on and tells me how white my shirts can be. But he can't be a man because he don't smoke the same cigarettes as me. I can't get no satisfaction. Um, This song taps into something that the writer of Ecclesiastes, the preacher, is also tapping into. It's that dissatisfaction with life. Uh, That seems to be what advertising is meant to do, isn't it? Right? The advertising that the song talked about. You're watching your TV and and someone's there telling you how white your shirts can be. You're thinking, oh, I'm dissatisfied with where I'm at. I need that. (laughs) Right? Isn't that the way it works? Um, advertising is meant to make us dissatisfied. Or, or, or if I, if I want to be a real man, I need to smoke that kind of cigarette. I, I don't smoke. <laughs> but the whole idea is making people dissatisfied. There's almost an industry about making people dissatisfied. And we've talked before about how people, they earn, they, they, they put all their time and their resources into working to get more money and more money. And as we have seen before, maybe one person does all of that and has nobody to share it with and it's just vanity. They're empty. They, they may accumulate a lot of wealth, but it just doesn't satisfy I think a lot of people feel that way, especially with the way our our world has now adopted this secular worldview that's like the author of Ecclesiastes describes under the sun, the world apart from God. And if, if, if all we do is see the world for what it materially is, and we don't consider God's place in all of that, then we can't get no satisfaction. Everything we do is empty. It's meaningless. And we pile up a pile of cash, and all it is is just more junk in our storage, which we're going to die and then leave it to somebody else to mess with. I can't get no satisfaction. The author of Ecclesiastes here says that's a grievous evil for people to work and try to be satisfied with with money. Let's let's look at what he says. Ecclesiastes 5 beginning in verse 8. If you see in a province the oppressed of the poor and the violation 
of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. For the high official is watched by a higher, and there is yet a higher one over them. But this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. He who loves money will, be, will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of the laborer. Whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let them sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so he shall go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and in much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what have I seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun for the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. For he will not remember he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with the joy of his heart. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun and it lies heavy on mankind. A man that he does up see a man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing of all of them, this is vanity. It is a grievous evil if a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For he comes in vanity and goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to one place. All the toil of a man is for his mouth, and yet his ap appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better in the sight 
Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This also is vanity and striving after wind. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We pray that You would open our eyes to see glorious things from it. We pray that You would um, illumine us. Lord, that we would glory in Your Word. We pray that You would help us to to heed the wisdom of Your Word. That we, we would not store up for ourselves treasures here on earth, but, but Lord, that our treasure would be Jesus. Lord, that we would enjoy this life that You've given as a gift from You. Father, we love you. I pray for your grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, it's a long text. <laughs> but I think it all fits together. Um, it's one theme. So we're going to try. I may not cover everything very well, but we're going to try to cover it. Um, it, it is... This text is kind of structured like um, the commentaries call it a, a, a chiasm. Now, I'll explain what that is. Um, maybe whenever you were in school, you studied poetry or something where you would have a pat- different patterns of the lines and maybe an A, B, A, B pattern or, a, or a, an A, B, B, A pattern or something like that. Uh, a chiasm is, is, uh, is a pattern where the first line matches with the last line and the, the second line matches with the second to the last line and so on and so on until you get to the middle and the middle is like the main point. And what we see here in this passage is that the beginning kind of lines up with the end and so on and so on until you get to the middle. Uh, so it not only is it a long passage, but it's also a little bit confusing because it, it doesn't think like Westerners do. We Westerners, we want to see things linearly. We want to see everything in order. Whereas this passage is um, it's not laid out, laid out like that. So again, I'll, I'll try to do my best. <laughs> we'll take a look at the first point. People who pursue wealth will not be satisfied. We, we, we can see this. Maybe you, you see uh, someone who's rich, like, a, like a, an athlete or something, who has built themselves to the top of the career. They have everything that they could ask for. And yet something's just missing. Maybe their life just falls apart because in spite of having everything, their families are wrecked. They just can't keep themselves together. And there's no real satisfaction in life. We see Solomon, or the, the, the preacher, reflecting on the, the, the way that the world is not the way it's supposed to be, beginning in verse 8. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. Maybe we, we've seen that, the, the, the oppression of the poor, um, people who are being taken advantage of. You know, nothing could make us more angry than a con man who, who calls someone on the phone, you know, 
and says, hello, this is Windows. <laughs> Maybe you've gotten a call like that. This is Windows and we need access to your computer. Uh, this actually happened to um, Amy's mother. She got a call from someone claiming to be some computer tech person and they ended up swindling her, taking money out of her bank. because, And, and that's the, the kind of oppression of the poor and the vulnerable that Solomon looks at the world the way it is and, and it's not supposed to be that way. People shouldn't take advantage of people that way. He says, don't be amazed at the matter though. That seems a little bit surprising. It shocks us when we hear of a case like that. Someone just ripping someone off. How could be someone be so blatant? blatant? But, the, but the preacher says, don't be amazed at it. That's just the way the world is under the sun, apart from God. That's just the way the world is as we live in this world that's affected by the curse, this sinful world that groans for the redemption that we will have whenever Christ returns. This world is not the way it should be. But then he says, for the, re- the reason we shouldn't be amazed at the matter is the high official is watched by a higher and there's yet a higher one over him. So he's looking at this and it's, he's basically saying it's, it's the bureaucracy. <laughs> it's the bureaucracy. One person is over an area and then he's got another and everybody just kind of shifts the blame to the person that's above them. Maybe you've seen this in the workplace. <laughs> and nobody can take any responsibility for it. But he gives us a contrast. He says it's, it's vanity. It's, it's a vanity whenever all of that happens. But there's a contrast. But, I'm sorry, but this is a gain for the land in every way. A king committed to cultivated fields. Now why would that be? Why would uh, it be an advantage for the land if a king is committed to cultivated fields? Remember, in the ancient world, in, in Israel, they were commanded not to glean all the way to the edge of the fields. They, they were commanded uh, that when they were to plant their fields and to harvest them, not to take everything, but to leave some for the poor. And so when a king, especially a king in Israel, was committed to cultivating the land, it wasn't just good for the overall economy, but it was also good for the poor. Because whenever he was committed to, to uh, letting the fields be planted, let them be cultivated, they weren't just lying fallow, but they were producing. And that was good, not just for those who were harvesting, but also for the poor who needed to come and just glean what was left over. Then, we look from, from there to the next part. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his own income. This also is vanity. You maybe you've heard the, the case of John D. Rockefeller, Ron Rockefeller. Someone asked him one time, How much is enough? And he said, Just a little bit more. <laughs> Richest man of his time. And yet he 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 just still had that craving and he was never satisfied. It was just a little bit more was all that he needed. 
This is vanity. When when goods increase, the preacher says, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. One reason why it's vanity, if we're going to have more stuff, we're going to have more consumers. It's just, if we make more, we're going to eat more, and then we're all going to be fat, like America, right? (laughs) Like America. We're a prosperous nation. We have everything that we could want, pretty much, and yet we're also the nation that struggles so much with obesity. When goods increase, they who increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? The owner who who accumulates all this stuff and there's more people to just consume it, the only advantage he has is to say, look at all I've got. Look at all I've got. He gets to see it with his eyes, but then it's just consumed and it's gone and it's not satisfying. And he turns and he says, Sweet is the sleep of the laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There's oppression of the poor, there's violation of justice that Solomon is, or, or the preacher is reflecting on, and he, he sees in that kind of a situation there's a dissatisfaction and it just keeps you awake at night. Just, just, just to think about the world and all that's wrong with the world. But, but the poor man, he has an advantage. He, he can sleep at night. He works hard he wears himself out, and he can sleep at night. I've been experiencing that a little bit the last week. <laughs> I've been out working in the sun, uh, painted a deck, um, power washed some houses, and I've been doing some good old manual, manual labor this summer, and I've been coming home tired and able to get some sleep at night. I can kind of relate to what the preacher says here. Then, still along the same lines of, of uh, where it's saying people who pursue wealth will not be satisfied, uh, we'll look at the end of the passage here, uh, at verses 7 through 9. All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. All this work is it's to accumulate things for ourselves where we consume them, and yet we're never satisfied. Whether it's food or anything, we're just... We're still hungry. We're going to get up the next day and still be hungry for more. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better in the sight of the eyes, better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. After reflecting on all of this, the preacher thinks it's better to be satisfied with what you see. Better is the sight of the eyes, the things that are right in front of you, than the wandering of the appetite. To just want more, and just want more, and just want more. And we come to the second point. 
It's an evil thing, the preacher says. It's an evil thing, people not enjoying life. (laughs) We're meant to enjoy this life. But here, the preacher says, you know, people aren't satisfied. They work all the to be able to, uh, to, to get all this stuff for themselves. They're not satisfied. And that's, that's wrong. We're meant to enjoy life. Um, he, he begins here in 13. There's a grievous evil that I've seen under the sun. Under the sun, remember, apart from God, riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. You know, the, the New Testament tells us it's a sin to know to do good and not do it. And James talks about how, how the one who sees his neighbor who, who needs something and just to go by and say, be warm and be filled is not enough. We, we need to, to meet those needs when we see them and to not keep things and hoard them for ourselves. There's a grievous evil that I've seen under the sun, riches that were kept by one's owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. Oh. Hoarding it and then makes a bad investment. Puts it all in the stock market to try to grow it and yet the stock market crashes and he loses everything. And then it tells us And he is a father of a son. But he has nothing in his hand. All of this that he had, he invested in a bad venture, loses everything overnight, and he has a son and thinks, how are you going to take care of your child now? This is what the preacher writes about in the ancient world, but we can probably relate to it today too, can't we? How our our fortunes can be gone in a second. And we have a family to take care of. What are we going to do now? The preacher then says, As he came into his mother's womb, so shall he go, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. Sounds very much like what Job said. Naked I came, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We come into this world with nothing. We can take nothing out. It's like that old, it's, it's, an, it's a worn out illustration. But you know, you, you'll never see a hearse with a trailer hitch, right? Hearse. Well, a hearse is, a, is a, a vehicle that is used in a funeral to transport the body, Josh. Yeah. You'll never see a trailer hitch on a hearse. You can't take it with you. The preacher says, This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came... So we shall go. And what gain is there to him who toils after the wind? Again, there's that image of toiling after wind. Working all this to try to grasp something and it just slips through your fingers. It just, it's just like wind. You can't grab a hold of it. 
Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and in much vexation and sickness and anger. We, we looked a few weeks ago about the person, two were better than one, remember? Because the, the one person there uh, in uh, chapter 4 isolated himself and he worked and worked, but he had nobody to share things with. Here we see the same idea. He, he eats alone in darkness. After he's lost his fortune, he no longer can even keep the lights on. In the ancient world, wouldn't have been able to buy oil for his lamps. He just eats in darkness, alone and isolated. And that's not the way we should live this life. Going along the same theme of, of the evil of people not enjoying life, verse uh, 1 of chapter 6, it says, There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind. A man whom God gives wealth and possessions and honor so that he lacks nothing that he desires, yet God doesn't give him the power to enjoy them. Think about that. He's talking about what God has done. All the times that God is mentioned here, there's an evil that I've seen under the sun that lies heavy on mankind, a man to whom God gives wealth and possessions and honor so that he lacks nothing that he desires, and yet God doesn't give him the power to enjoy them. Acknowledging everything is a gift of God. Everything that we receive is a gift of God. That's why we uh, should, I think, have the habit of praying before we eat. We say grace or whatever your custom is. Because we want to recognize God has given us everything. And we want to thank Him. And and not just be in the mindset of of, uh, of a secular mindset of, I've worked for what I get. And yet God does not give him the power to enjoy them. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's, it's, a, it's an evil thing that the preacher says he's seen under the sun. He has everything. He's been given everything. God's given him possessions and honor and wealth and all of those things. He lacks nothing. And for whatever reason, God doesn't give him the power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them instead. He does all this work and someone else reaps all the benefits. Then, if a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better than he, better off than he. Two contrasting images here. In Jewish life, a long life was a blessing, right? It still is. It's a blessing. Uh, but what God promised in the, in the commandment, children, you know, to, to honor your father and mother, that your days may be long. The uh, long life was, was a gift of God. It was a blessing. And, and many, many children, that was also a blessing. 
It was seen as, as, as almost being under the curse to be barren. But many children. And here, Solomon, or the, the preacher is saying, I say that a stillborn child, a stillborn child who never makes it out of the womb alive is better off than someone who fathers a hundred children and lives many years, but they're not satisfied with the gifts that God has given. To have all those things and just be dissatisfied. I can't get no satisfaction. And so many people in the world today, so many people we know and love, are dealing with dissatisfaction. Things things that just are not working out in their lives the way they want them to. And just wanting just a little bit more. You don't have to be rich to just want a little bit more. You can be below the poverty line and have the same attitude. Even though he lived, should live a thousand years twice over and yet enjoy no good, do not all go to one place. So those are the first two points. People who pursue wealth will not be satisfied. And then there's an evil of not enjoying life. And finally, here's the point that he's driving at. We're to enjoy God's gifts. We're to enjoy God's daily gifts. Verse 18, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. Again, it's talking about God has given us these things. God has given us these few days to live. And what, we're, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to have an attitude of enjoyment. We recognize these are God's gifts and we enjoy them. We, we, we don't shun that, but we enjoy it. We participate and we enjoy these and we give thanks to Him. Then everyone, who, everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them. Remember, here it says again that God is the one who gives the power to enjoy them. And to accept His lot and rejoice in His toil, this is the gift of God. We should be thankful. We should enjoy what He's given us and give, give Him glory and give Him thanks for it's come from Him. And the final verse, the one I think which everything hinges here, for He will not much remember the days of His life because God keeps Him occupied with all of the joy of His heart. With joy in His heart. Everything is vanity, the preacher keeps saying over and over again in Ecclesiastes. It's a grievous evil that people should get all this wealth and then not be able to enjoy it. But here, in contrast to that, the preacher is saying, enjoy what God has given you to do. He's given you work to occupy yourself with so that when you come to the end of your days, you don't remember all the bad. 
You know, remember, it's, it's, it's all come and gone and you've been occupied with enjoying the life and, and, and you can just forget. I mean, look at what he's saying. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. Focus, in a way, he's saying focus on the positive. Focus on the good gifts that God has given us. Enjoy them. And and we don't have to remember. This is a hard text. (laughs) This has been a very hard text. Um, It's been long. It's been confusing in the way that it's structured. Um, and coming to the end of it, I, I feel like we're, we're on a downer. <laughs> we're, we're kind of on a downer here. What does Jesus tell us to do? Um, from the passage that uh, um, Amy read from, Paul is telling telling Timothy to instruct the rich to be rich in faith, to be generous with what they get what they have, to, to share with others who are in need. If you want to live a life that's not unsatisfying, if you want to live a life that is not just wasting your time and feeling like you you, you never can have any satisfaction, then give generously to others. Not just for your own sake, but for Jesus' sake, for His glory. Um, And then Paul also tells um, the church in Philippi to be content. Uh, He says, I've learned the secret of being content in all situations, whether I have much or whether I have little. To be content. Uh, And it's treasuring Jesus. More than the the things of this world, it's, it's treasuring Jesus, putting Him as the greatest treasure that we have. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.